Hello, and welcome to the House of Legends, where you can hear world myths and legends told by a professional storyteller. If you're a new listener, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then hit subscribe now in your podcast app to make sure you don't miss an episode. On this podcast, you'll hear myths, legends, and traditional stories from myself and master storytellers from across the world. I release two episodes each month, one featuring a story from me and one featuring a story from a guest teller. You can get access to every House of Legends episode by becoming a patron. By pledging $5 per month or more, you'll receive a patron-only episode each month, along with a worksheet full of questions and creative prompts to help you deepen your connection to the story. As well as being an oral storyteller, I'm also an author and a storytelling coach. You can now find my books by searching for Daniel Allison on all the major online bookstores, although currently you can only get my full catalogue on Amazon. You can get my book The Shattering Sea as a free download on Kindle, Kobo, Nook and Apple Books. If you're interested in becoming a storyteller yourself, or you're already a storyteller and would like to develop your craft, you can join my online storytelling school, The Roundhouse, or you can join my Myth Singers coaching program which includes Roundhouse membership plus two monthly group coaching sessions with me. Visit roundhouseschool.com to explore the Roundhouse and download a free pack of stories. You'll find links to all of the above in the show notes. So welcome to our penultimate episode of 2021. We've been fortunate enough to have some amazing guests on the podcast this year and have had conversations that I truly treasure. Though I had intended to tell a full year of Mabinogion stories on the podcast myself this year, I didn't manage it as my business was rapidly expanding, I moved to a new country twice and had a lot of new demands on my time and also I was struggling to hold those bigger stories alongside the ones I was working on in my writing. So that's one of the things I'm focusing on as I make plans for next year and try and find the right balance. We have another guest episode coming before the end of this month with Phil Oquedi, who's wonderful, but I wanted to tell a particular story at this point as the winter solstice passes for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere and the light returns. So many of us in the UK and US and probably other places have been less than impressed by the leadership shown by the people who supposedly lead us in recent times. Change is desperately needed. And one thing stories tell us about this kind of monumental power change is that it doesn't come from the centre, from what is established and ingrained, but from the edges, the wild places where new life and new energy and new ideas can emerge in strange, shadowed places where no one's looking. So I wanted to tell that kind of story as a prayer for this kind of change to come with the returning winter sun. The story is the coming of Lou, from the mythological cycle of Irish mythology. A little background info is needed to understand the story. The Tuai de Danann, or children of Danu, or she, or fairy folk as they came to be known, have landed in Ireland and taken it from the people called the Firbolgs who lived there previously. The Tuai de Danann's king, Nuada, who was just and wise, lost his hand in the battle with the Firbolgs and lost the throne as an imperfect man could not be king. So a young warrior called Bress became king, and he turned out to be a tyrant. And not only that, he gave in to demands from the Fomorians, a race of underworld creatures, that the Tua gave a third of their grain, cattle and children to the Fomorians. 
so a dark time ensued. Thankfully, Bress was deposed and Nwada was restored, after the smith Govnu made a silver hand for him, and the leading men and women of the Tua who gathered together at the feasting hall at Tara to celebrate Nwada's return. It's a joyful celebration, but there is an undercurrent of fear, for the problem of the Fomorians has not gone away, and Nwada does not have a solution. So here we begin the story of the coming of Lu at that feast. And I'm going to give you a draft of the story from my forthcoming book, The Children of Danu. Apologies if there is a bit of background noise. I'm in a hotel as I've just moved back to Thailand. I thought better to record with some background noise than not at all. Word spread across the country that Nuada had returned to take the throne from Bress. Cups clashed together in every hall, hut and homestead, and the great men and women of the Tua de Danan made their way to Tara to congratulate Nuada, pledged her allegiance and feast. The feasting began, and the celebration grew fiercer as more and more of the great Tua arrived. Days and nights passed in the drinking of ale and the telling of tales, while Nuada observed it all from his throne, his silver hand gleaming in the firelight. For all the singing and laughter, there was also much muttering, much whispering in dark corners. Nuada had not yet announced what he planned to do about the Fomorians, and that question cast a long shadow over their happiness. It was at midday, on the third day of the feast, that Gamal and Colum, two guards who stood at the door of the feasting hall, observed a young man striding up the hill towards them. The young man was tall and broad-shouldered, with sleek chestnut-red hair and soft, watchful eyes. He carried a spear on his back and a slingshot on his belt, and he smiled broadly as he approached and greeted them. Greetings, he said. My name is Lou, and I've come to join the feast. Hope you haven't come far, said Gamal, who was tired of listening to celebrations he was not permitted to join. Because it's time you turned around, you're not allowed in. That is a shame, said Lou. May I ask why not? Because this feast is only for the chiefs of the Tua de Danan, said Colm the most skilled and renowned in their arts. Well, I may not have won renown yet, said Lou, but I am not short of skills. Tell me, do you have a smith at the feast? For I am skilled in smithing. The guards looked at one another. <laughs> Govnu is in there, said Gamal. Are you a better smith than him? Maybe, maybe not. But do you have a great champion in there? for I am a master of the fighting arts. Well, we have Ogma, who led the left wing of our forces at the Battle of Moitura, said Colm. 
Try again, whelp. I'm a harper. The dagda is inside. I'm a healer. Dian Kecht drinks in this hall. I'm a poet. Not a better poet than Erk, whose songs can make even the walls weep and who sits inside this hall. I'm a worker of spells. There is no greater worker of magic than the Morrigan. And she is here, said Gamal. I'm a cupbearer. They don't need a cupbearer. They don't need a nursemaid. They don't need someone to cut their meat. Off with you now. <sighs> Very well, said Lou. I will leave, so long as you answer one question. Fine, said Colin. You have a smith inside. You have a warrior. You have a harper. You have a poet, a sorcerer, and a healer. But is there any Tua inside who is a master of all these arts as I am? The two guards looked at each other uneasily. Stay here, said Gamal. So he went inside. He threaded his way through the throng. He reached the throne, he climbed the dais, and he bowed to Noada. Sire, he said. There is a very unusual young man outside. Why is he unusual? Well, he claims to be a master of all arts. Says he's a great smith, a great fighter, harper, a bard, sorcerer, and healer. Then he is unusual, said Nwanda, assuming these boasts of his are true. Have a gaming board brought outside. Send out those here with the most skill to game with him. That's a quick way to measure a man's mind. So Gamal found two women sat at a gaming board and explained the situation. And soon one of them sat on the grass outside the hall, lining up her pieces as Lou lined up his. He beat her in six moves. She returned to the hall, shaking her head and speaking of the might of this young man's mind. One of the better gamers there heard her speak and went out to put the young man in his place. Lou beat him in five moves. One after another player went out and was defeated. As the games went on, word began to spread around the hall about this handsome youth who sat outside defeating all their finest players. Let's bring him in, said someone. I would like to see this young man and take his measure. So eventually Neat, who was acknowledged as a master of the gaming board, rose and went outside. When he came back inside a short time later, snarling at the servants to fill his cup, all the Tua began to clamour to see the young Ildanach, the master of all arts. Nwada cleared his throat. Silence spread through the hall. Let Lou join the feast, said Nwada. And the company cheered as Lou entered. He was halfway across the hall when Ogma, who was in his cups and had taken the young man's boasts as a personal slight, squared up to him. You think you're strong, said Ogma. I know I am, said Lou. As are you, great champion. In response, Ogma bent down and dug his fingers in between the flagstones of the floor. Muscles straining, he picked up one of the great stones, spun around and around and hurled it through the wall of the feasting hall. 
The drunken chiefs laughed and cheered, except for those who had almost been struck by the missile. Ogma turned to face Lou again and raised his eyebrows. Lou smiled at Ogma before turning around and walking out of the doors. A few moments later, the flagstone flew back through the wall and landed in the exact place it had been removed from. The Tua's cheers at that were deafening. Lou entered the hall again. Young master of arts, called the Dagda, who was sitting with his harp in the company of Erk the poet. He gestured to his instrument. Favour us with a song. So the Dagda stood and he let Lou take his seat. Lou plucked a few strings. He cleared his throat and he began. He sang first a bawdy song of a lustful farmer, which had the hall ringing with laughter. After that, he sang a song he'd composed himself about the coming of the Tua to Ireland and the fight with the Firbolgs at the Battle of Moitura. The Tua cheered and wept. And finally, Lou sang of the hills of Connemara, a soothing, longing song which sounded like summer rain and the sweep of wind through the hills at dawn. The entire company fell asleep, waking up again as the bright, brisk final notes rang out. This time they did not cheer. Instead they watched as Noada stood and beckoned Lou to approach the throne. Lou. King Noada, said Lou with a bow. You are, as you claim, a master of all arts. My halls enriched by your presence. But I think you come here to do more than entertain us. And with those words, Nwada took a few steps to the side and gestured to the throne. I believe you have been sent here to lead us. Nwada looked out across the company. We have enjoyed our feasting, but there is not a Tua here whose joy is not overshadowed by the dark fate that has found us on this fair isle. Breasts may be gone, but the Fomorians have not forgotten us, and I have not forgotten them. I know the question that is on your minds. Will I order you to continue to pay those monsters their tribute, to hand over our hard-won grain and even our own beloved children? I will not lie. The Morrigan has read the signs for me. The Fomorians are a mighty race, their armies as vast as the ocean. We would be hard-pressed to withstand them in battle. The hall was deadly silent now. I do not want to pay tribute any more than you do, yet neither would I bring about the destruction of our whole race. Let us leave the island then, someone called out. It was a mistake to come here. No, we will not leave. This island was shown to us in the visions of our druids. It was our destiny to come here, and it is our destiny to rule here. And that we shall do with the aid of this man. Noada addressed Lou again. I 
give you the throne, he said, for thirteen days. Speak, and we shall listen. Order, and we shall act. Gift us the depths of your wisdom, the strength of your arm, the clarity of your thought. Lead us, Lou of the long hand. Even the hounds beneath the tables held their breath as they waited for Lou's response. I will lead you, said Lou. Lou climbed the dais, stood before the throne, and sat down. I have one last request before I hand over to your rule, said Noada, as he took a seat down at one of the benches. I will happily honour it. Tell us a tale, said Noada. Tell us who your father and mother are, and where you come from. That is a good tale, said Lou, and I will tell it gladly. And so, Lou told the story of how he came to be born. And it is a magnificent story, but it's a story for another time. we can see in this story how Lu came from seemingly out of nowhere to lead the Shi. And in this story, the king is a wise one who can see that Lu is exactly what is needed, and he even offers Lu his own throne. The story is quite unusual in this respect. In most stories of this type, Herod or Gomit Morna or Medea or the king in the Firebird story or whoever it is, when they learn about or encounter this bright, shining, youthful force, they do their best to destroy it, to suppress it, so as to safeguard their own power. So let this story be a prayer for something of Nuada to enter our leaders and for something like Lu to come to our own kingdoms. And may the Lu that is inside you, come to the feasting hall of your heart this midwinter. And when he comes, may you recognise him and have your guards allow him in. That's all for this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please support it by sharing it on social media or even sharing the link with a few friends who enjoy a good story. I'd also really appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, as reviews really help the podcast to grow. You can get access to every House of Legends episode by becoming a patron. By pledging $5 per month or more, you'll receive a patron-only episode each month along with a worksheet full of questions and creative prompts to help you deepen your connection to the story. If you'd like to read stories as well as hear them, you can now find my books by searching for Daniel Allison at all major online bookstores, although currently you can only get my full catalogue on Amazon. You can get my free ebook, Silverborn, by visiting my website, www.houseoflegends.me And don't forget, if you're interested in becoming a storyteller yourself, or you're already a storyteller and would like to develop your craft, you can join my online storytelling school, The Roundhouse, 
or you can join my Myth Singers coaching program, which includes a roundhouse membership plus two monthly group coaching sessions with me. You'll find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.